This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This podcast. All right, Fact Check This episode 50. And today I've got Evan Johnson back on with me. Last time Evan and I talked about uh, coronavirus and just the absolute insanity of how all of that's being covered and handled and dealt with. And so today we're going to talk about that a little bit more, especially in light of some of the things that have come out since the last time we talked. And then we'll get into some of the other uh, current events and things that are going on in the world. Evan, thanks for coming back on with me. How's everything been going in uh, New York and the wonderful... Um, it's, it's going pretty well. The, the weather's nice. The spring's coming around. Uh, looks like it's going to be good weather for the foreseeable future. But, um, you know, as far as the, uh, coronavirus stuff goes, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a very left-wing state. So I assume we're going to be one of the last places to, uh, open up. But, um, you know, you see places like Mississippi and Texas and even Connecticut and Arizona, um, saying they're just removing all restrictions. So, um, there's at least light at the end of the tunnel. It's come entirely too late. That none of this should have happened to begin with. But um, these can focus on maybe getting back to some sense of normalcy within uh, the next couple of months. Yeah, for sure. And even here in Indiana, um, for having a, I've talked about it a few times, for having a Republican supermajority in the state house and Senate and a Republican governor, we're still technically under mass mandates and some level of lockdown like they won't do anything to to stop it so it's not just uh it's not just liberals it's like the ones who have identified this as a as a power grab opportunity they're not they're not gonna let go they're clinging to they're clinging to that for as long as they can which is just it's absolute bullshit because there's no reason for Indiana especially to still be locked down and and even New York I mean New York's been since you know Cuomo murdered 13,000 people right off the bat. Like, uh, New York's been on the downward trend ever since, uh, you know, and there's no reason for it. And uh, yeah. speaking of Cuomo, let's uh, – because we had, we had talked about that last time we talked. And since then, it's not only been, uh, like, expounded upon, but it's basically been confirmed that – not only were they killing people, sending them back into nursing homes, but they were co- actively covering up how many people they were killing. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, if you um, if you write a book about how amazing your leadership was, you know, in, in the summer, um, and then all this stuff starts to come out, I mean, obviously you would have wanted to reach the light of day. And, um, you know, when you have the entire corporate press and all of Hollywood and all of late night television and, you know, every every New York Democrat basically praising how amazing your response is, which there's no excuse for, by the way, because I've known about this nursing home situation since freaking May. Yeah, I've known about it since May. And just now, what, the New York Times and CNN and the Washington Post and these journalists are getting around to covering this. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because, like, you'll you'll notice a little bit of coverage about the nursing home stuff. But they seem more upset over the sexual harassment allegations. It's like I've, I've noticed probably about 10 times the amount of coverage that, of that as I have him murdering thousands of nursing home patients and then trying to fudge the numbers to make it seem like he wasn't responsible for it. And, you know, I have a few theories on why that is. Maybe because there are, what, four other Democratic governors who did the exact same thing. And if they start holding his feet to the fire for that, 
then they're going to have to hold all the other, you know, Whitmer did it in, in Michigan. Uh, Murphy of New Jersey did it. The Pennsylvania governor did it, you know, and his, there was a big thing with his uh, secretary of health who um, pulled her mother out of the nursing home before he gave that order. So I, su I suspect that might be one of the reasons why they don't want to delve too deeply and, and, and also because it just exposes how full of shit they are, right? Because this was going on and, you know, they can say, oh, we didn't know. Well, yeah, you did because plenty of us knew and all this information was out there. You just didn't want to cover it because, you know, he's a Democrat and you were just looking for any excuse in the world to make Trump look as bad as possible. And so they refused to cover it. And it's, uh, it's, it's a criminal offense as far as I'm concerned from, from the corporate media. Oh, absolutely. And, and like... Like you were saying, like other governors were doing this, and it and it really does seem uh, kind of convenient the timing of all of the the sexual impropriety type of allegations that are coming out against him. I, it, I mean, it was seriously within a week of the report coming out about the cover up of the the number, the actual numbers of deaths from the nursing homes and everything, and he had that like horrible blurb where he. Where he said, uh, th "Like they died. What does it matter where they died? Like, dude, really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> what, is it, it was... what does it matter if I killed them or if someone else killed them? I mean, right. I'm just the governor who made these decisions. Don't focus on that, right? So, like, he had he had that that horrible little press conference, and then I mean, he had some others uh, during that time where he got either extremely snippy with people or just straight up hateful and." Uh, he really, he really showed him, showed himself for the, the horrible bully that he is. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, then there were the other, other reports from like New York Democrats saying that he told them to cover this stuff up and, uh, yeah. and then yeah. others were confirming that, yeah, that's the way he acts. And within a week we get all the, the allegations of, you know, him, uh, you know, going after women and his staff and and other stuff and all of that just gets covered like it all gets pushed to the side it's no longer talked about at all now the, oh, it's incredible like, you haven't heard anything about the cover-up of those numbers or anything since then it's only been about the the sexual allegations from from all these women and what are we up to like six now or i, I don't know it they keep and, no I, I think it's closer to 10 yeah I, I'm, like they yeah, keep adding up and and they're still not actually holding him accountable for it. Like he just keeps on coming out and saying that he's sorry and uh, that it was misunderstood or whatever. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna use this to brush everything under the rug and completely ignore the fact that he's a mass fucking murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, look. I mean, if you're a serial sexual harasser, that's certainly like you know, it's you're a repulsive human being, especially if you're a governor who's getting up on on television every day. And talking about what a incredible virtuous hero you are, um, so you know I don't I don't want to dismiss that, but I mean, look, what's worse, like harassing people or murdering thousands of people and then trying to cover it up? I mean, it seems pretty obvious. And then you notice which one the media is hyper focused on and which one they're just sort of casually covering, you know. And and again, I I hate to always do this, but like, what do you think the coverage would be like if Donald Trump had done something like this? I mean, my God, every Every single thing Donald Trump did, whether it was good, bad, or just completely innocuous, the mainstream media acted like it was the freaking Holocaust. It was the worst thing that ever happened. 
and you just notice just the pure agenda-driven coverage of these people. And it's just, it's shameless. And it, it, you know, and this relates to just sort of like the COVID stuff in general. It drives me crazy how people don't see this because the propaganda isn't even that good. Like you don't even have to be a sophisticated observer to see it. It's so blatantly obvious. And yet the majority of people, they just can't see it. It drives me completely insane. Right. Like I talk about that fairly regularly. Like I'm just an average dude who does a little bit of research on stuff and like reads news and looks into, looks into numbers and stuff. Like none of this stuff requires a PhD in <laughs> anything. Like all you've got to do no. is be half-assed observant and look at the, just look at the truth of the matter or shit the articles that they post read past the first paragraph like yes. a, lot of, a lot of the uh like time magazine the new york times a lot of these articles that they post about this stuff it will they'll try to discredit or disprove something in the first paragraph and then if you read past that and you actually get into the meat of the article which i've talked about that too like it's the reason that they write these six and ten thousand word articles because nobody takes the time to read that stuff. If you actually yeah. get into the meat of it and really start reading it, they tell you the entire truth. But in that first, you know, the headline and the first paragraph or two, it's all bullshit to drive a narrative. And then everything else, they will actually tell you the truth of what's going on. But they trust that people are too stupid to actually look that far into it. it like, it's just, it's fucking insane is what it is. Yeah, you know, they, they will often admit like halfway through the article or towards the end, like, yeah, well, we actually have no evidence for what we're claiming. Um, but, you know, the headline is so sensationalized. So, and I brought this up on the last podcast about the 30-year-old Texan who died after uh, attending the COVID party. And on his dying bed, he said, I thought it was a hoax. Like the, like the headline basically said 30-year-old uh, dies after attending COVID party. And like, I think in the fourth or fifth paragraph, they said, well, no one's actually been able to confirm who this guy was. No one was able to confirm whether or not this party took place. It's like, so why are you covering it? You're a freaking journalist. Like, I'm not a journalist. And I know, it, like, one of the primary fundamental roles of being a good journalist is if you can't verify it with at least one source, you don't run the article. But journalism just doesn't, even at the New York Times, it just doesn't exist anymore. These people are activists. They're propagandists. Uh, you know, I think the, the rank and file journalists, I think they're, they're quite frankly, the quintessential useful idiots. They're true believers as to what, like your th average 32 year old journalist at the New York Times, he's generally just like a ideologically possessed imbecile. Like he really believes what he's doing. But like the people who finance this stuff, the editors, they know exactly what they're doing. And even if someone is a good journalist and they want to get into it, like if you decide to, like either your article's not going to get run like if you're trying to do actual journalism like the glenn greenwalds and the matt taibis of the world either a your article is not going to get run or b you're never going to get hired to begin with oh glenn got driven out of his own publication like he i know he had to leave his own his own publication that he started because yeah because because he, he actually has ethics yeah he was actually covering like honest truth and doing real journalism and looking at looking for answers on stuff and the people that he works with drove him out because that's not what they want. They don't want honesty and truth and like actual journalism. And yeah, nothing, nothing that's coming out of the mainstream media is actually journalism. It's all opinion piece. Like every, it's all, 
it's all opinion piece and propaganda. Like there, yeah. you know, like you said, you know, typically you have to have at least one, uh, one source that they can verify that stuff by. And it, it used to be like two, you had to have a source and another source backing it so that it could be confirmed as, as viable before they would even run with something. And now they don't need anything. They just need a, an no. anonymous source that says something inflammatory and boom, they're going to run with it. And they're not even going to run with it. They don't even try to present it as factual. That It's like most of those articles even say opinion on the, you know, under the, under the headline, it says opinion, but everybody takes it as just fact. Uh, yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, um, like I was saying, it's it's become, and especially this past year, I've become, it's one of the silver linings. I've become a damn near expert in how to spot media propaganda. Like, I, like as soon as I see a headline right now, like, I instantly detect, okay, that's bullshit. Um, so the CDC, uh, I don't know if you remember this, it came out with, a, it was maybe like a couple weeks ago, it came out with a study proving that uh, masks and restaurant closures have uh, have an effect on reducing coronavirus uh, infections or deaths and hospitalizations. But it was very tricky what they did. And this this just goes to like the level of corruption and dishonest throughout, you know, the entire, you know, all of the institutions. So what happened was they focused specifically on 10 counties. Okay. And what they didn't tell you is that there are plenty of other counties where this absolutely did not happen. But they focused specifically on 10 counties where this was the case. But what they didn't tell you was the... Uh, in the areas where they, they had mask mandates and they closed restaurants, over a four to six year week period, the hospitalizations and death rates only went down a half percent. But what they also don't tell you is they started to measure it at a time when the, when the hospitalizations and deaths were already trending downward. So they had already been on a downward trajectory. Then they start their, uh, they, put, they place their starting point right around there. And from that point on, it continued to trend down about another half percent. And so they, they run this study saying this is proof that restaurant closures and mask mandates work and all of the main, mainstream media ran with it. And, um, you know, I saw that headline and I have a friend who's a doctor and I, um, I immediately went to him. I said, this, this seems like BS. And he looked into it and he was like, yeah, this, and he basically laid this out to me, like how things work. Like if, if, even if you're the CDC, if you're like a medical journal and you have people who are very heavily invested in the research that they've been doing and a narrative that they've poured a lot of time and money into, like they're, what they want to be true, that's going to come out one way or another. They will manipulate the study to make sure what they want to find presents itself within the study. And especially when you have a bureaucratic entity like the CDC, and when you look at all of these, these protocols that have been implemented over the course of the past year, all the destruction that they've caused, all of the evidence coming out that it hasn't had any positive impact whatsoever, like these, these people, they're not capable of saying, sorry, we got this wrong. We've come too far. They've destroyed too many lives. All of these public health experts, all of these bureaucratic institutions, all of these politicians, they simply don't have the option at this point to admit they were wrong. Because, you know, I, when have you ever known a politician to admit they were wrong about anything? It, it's literally never happened. Maybe 20 years after they've, they're out of office, like they'll be like, oh, yeah, I got that wrong. But while they're, not, they're in office, it's simply not going to happen. So when you look at all of the, uh, the damage that their policies have caused, there is no way in hell they are ever going to admit they made a mistake. They have no choice but to double, triple, and quadruple down. 
And people need to understand that. Right. It's, you know, it's the old confirmation bias. Like once you've established that this is your position and once you've, you know, reached a point of investment in that position, then you have, you, you almost have no choice but to cherry pick data and make sure that you point to what you had said is true because like you're, you've, you know, you've crossed that Rubicon. You're, you're at the point of no return. You can't go back and say, oh shit, you know, we fucked up. We spent the last yeah, year, you, just, you, can't. you know, completely you, you can't shuttering businesses and locking everybody in their homes and destroying everything that the country was built on over an overreaction. And, and, and that's the crazy thing is like, there's, there are more than plenty of examples out there of how all of these uh, models that they were using for, for tracking like what was going to happen through the, through the pandemic, um, we're all just completely wrong. Like, and the models weren't even based on anything reality driven. Like they were looking at, uh, they were looking at ramp ups at the time, but they weren't taking any, like, like any, anybody that understands statistics on, on a moderately decent level understands that like, as things, you know, project upward, eventually it's going to plateau and go back down. And then right. they just built all of their models off of infinite upward projection. Like that's, that's yeah. not even realistic <laughs> yeah. in any way. And these are supposed to be like professionals. These are supposed to be experts in these fields that should know better than to, you know, create stuff like that. And it, it's all, it was all just for sensationalization to, to drive that narrative and, and give the CDC and these governors and everything an excuse to, move forward with being full-blown fascists yeah well, well all the people who were on like cnn and um you know in the mainstream media they were talking about about a year ago like three to four percent mortality rate right and that's what that's what led to all the panic and there was a guy uh john ionitis at stanford an epidemiologist at stanford he correctly predicted he's like no it's actually about uh 0.2 percent um you know when everyone was losing their mind and he was obviously vilified and they were telling him that he was being irresponsible and he was downplaying the threat. And of course, he turned out to be completely right. And all these guys uh, were completely wrong. And the guys who were completely wrong, like Mike Osterholm, he's now advising the Biden administration. And John Ioannidis is completely ignored by the media, even though he got this incredibly important thing right when all these other people got it wrong, which just, just goes to show you just the, um, you know, you and I are familiar with the term, the cathedral, how the whole cathedral will just work together to push forward a certain narrative, regardless of how much evidence supports that narrative, or if, if the narrative is just complete and total bullshit. And, you know, it's just crazy. All you have to do to, to realize that it was not necessary to lock down the country is look at Florida, okay? It, when you think about what they were saying a year ago, the excuses they were giving to lock down the country, if there was any excuse, if there was any um, legitimacy to those reasons whatsoever, given that Florida has one of the oldest populations in the country, Disney World has been over, uh, their, their theaters have been open, their parks have been open, the schools have been open, um, they've had the, the Super Bowl, they've had spring breakers, uh, their, their sporting facilities have been open. If you look at what they were saying last year about what would happen with this virus if we didn't shut everything down, the entire state of Florida should be a mass graveyard, should be a mass graveyard. And, in, and instead, their numbers are like somewhere in the middle of the country. And again, this is one of the oldest, oldest populations in the, in the country and one of the most populated states in the country. And their death per million is right in the middle. So, so I like, what other evidence do I need to give you? 
that these lockdowns were bullshit and they never should have been done. And another thing, the lot, I, I, I argue with this with so many people and they always say, well, yeah, but look at Florida's numbers. They're better than that. They're not as good as here. They're not as good as there. What they always forget is that these lockdowns have catastrophic consequences. That's the one part that they never seem willing to address, that they, they have unleashed an unprecedented mental health crisis. We are on the verge of destroying the U.S. dollar. People, uh, people have lost their jobs by the millions. Death rates from basically everything, every single cause you can think of have drastically shot up this year. These lockdowns have had an unimaginable negative effect on the country, and we haven't even begun to see the full effects of it. Okay, just wait until these mortgage moratoriums end. What, like the homeless population, we're going to have, you know, a hundred cities in the country that look like California with these tendencies. At least there is going to be a homeless population unlike anyone could possibly imagine. And God knows what's going to happen to the economy. I like this is one of the things that really worries me and actually keeps me up at night is like the amount of money that we've printed and where we are going in terms of what's going to happen to our purchasing power. Um, this is one of the things that that has really been worrying me recently. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to think, okay, well, what can I invest in? I think I got into the Bitcoin a little bit too late because it's just too damn expensive now. So I'm looking for all these things that I can like sort of put my assets into because I am legitimately terrified that we are headed towards like a hyperinflation, almost Venezuela type um, currency with what they've done, just printing trillions and trillions of dollars, like 35% of all money that's in circulation, I think was printed in the last 12 months. That's, that's insane. Yeah. So I've, I've talked about this, uh, previously as well like as far as i'm concerned and my, it's funny my wife and i were talking about this yesterday uh you know as far as i'm concerned because i don't ever carry cash like i've got uh yeah i got five ones in the in in my uh, little cabinet up here and that's it that's it like that's all the cash i have um and as far as i'm concerned all of my money is just it's all monopoly money because i never <laughs> see it it uh it's just <laughs> numbers on a spreadsheet it goes from my employer's numbers in it, whatever account they have, straight into my account. And then from my account, straight to everybody that I pay with my debit card or online banking. I have never seen any of it. And as far as I'm concerned, none of it exists because one of these days, very, very soon, none of it's going to have any value whatsoever. It is literally just numbers in a spreadsheet somewhere. And whenever that spreadsheet finally crashes then it doesn't exist anymore uh, so like i'm not i don't have a whole lot of uh faith in the monetary system uh you know we're working on i'll uh, i'll actually later this week start getting all of my garden prepped out out in the backyard like you know we're we kind of uh have taken the approach of we're going to try to make sure that we can bend for ourselves in the event that it does collapse because like at the rate that they're going, prices on stuff are starting to go up. You're starting yeah. to see. And it's, yeah. it's because, you know, there is a delayed reaction to all of the money that's been printed. Like, it has to make its circulation through the banking system, through Wall Street, because that's who gets the money first. Like, for all of the uh, trillions upon trillions of dollars that have been printed, only a small fraction of that actually goes to the people. It all goes out into, <laughs> into the system yeah. first. Yeah. But yeah. as that starts to filter through the system and trickle back out into the economy, then prices are going to start going up. And we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it over yeah. the last four to six months already, but it, it's going to only get worse from here. And they're blowing up this housing bubble that, I mean, it's going to be 2008 
times five, if not worse. Uh, yeah. It's all coming to a head and it's the more money they print and the faster they push it forward, the harder it's going to hit. Uh, so I don't know. And and it's, it's just amazing. Like people don't understand this. And I, if you want to hear a shocking story, I was talking to a, a kid who's probably about 25 years old and um, <laughs> he apparently graduated from uh, I forget what university but he, he he graduated with a degree in economics okay and he did not understand that just printing trillions and trillions of dollars is going to have a negative impact on the economy okay his exact words were quantitative easing hasn't hurt us yet so I don't see why we just can't keep doing it okay this, this okay this is this is a person who graduated from college with an economics degree so if you want like a black pill if you, if you just want to be completely pessimistic as to where we're going, so much of the reason why this is all happening is because the average American is just completely ignorant of absolutely everything. We are, we have to be one of the most dumbed down populations in all of human history. Given the tools that we have at our, our disposal, the amount of information there is out there and the amount of, um, the amount of applications you have to take in this information, for people to be just so utterly clueless as to how a society works and how, how an economy functions and to how a government works and what their primary objective, objectives are, no one, no one understands this stuff. And it's, it's really been probably the most demoralizing aspect of this whole thing is just how sheepishly everyone is to, willing to just go along with all of this nonsense, regardless of how obviously destructive it is, regardless of how dangerous it is, the vast majority of people, they just don't seem to have any interest whatsoever in pushing back. And again, it's to the point where I'm talking to a kid who has an economics degree and he doesn't even understand the concept of inflation. All, it, like, how am I not supposed to just be completely pessimistic about the future of this country when I have an experience like that? Yeah, have, have, a, have even a brief conversation with somebody who is um, like well-versed in... Keynesian economics and oh uh, my God. the whole tax and spend uh, model and just if we need more money we just print more money it's like uh, I don't I don't even like I've I've listened to people talk about that and I don't even know where to start with explaining how just completely fucking stupid that is like there's no logic behind any of that like like do you even hear yourself talk when you're saying this like, that's, it, that's not the way you, the world works. Like you have a rapidly uh, increase, a, a drastically increased amount of money chasing the same amount of resources and goods. Like the price has to go up. That's just the way it works. And it's actually worse than that because given the lack of production due to like so much of the shutdown in the economy, it's actually a decreased amount of goods than what we would otherwise have at this point. So you have all of this money that's been printed chasing a diminished amount of goods that's why you're starting to see prices going up and it's only going to get worse from this point out right like th there is no dialing that back without a full collapse of the system there is no dialing yeah. it back yeah. <laughs> and and even then like even if the system fully collapses it's not going to dial anything back what it's going to do is effectively create a reset where uh basically you're going to have to start off, start fresh. Like, and, and maybe that, and maybe in that case, you know, cryptocurrency is potentially the way to go. But, but the problem with that is like all of the cryptos are still 
U.S. dollar based as far as their value goes. Like they're still tied to the stock market and the U.S. dollar. Like nobody's walking around with a physical Bitcoin that they can exchange for something. Like that's it's not. Right. And and even if they were, like, so I guess the which it's been talked about on multiple other podcasts and stuff. But you know the the whole. Uh, the whole basis of the U.S. currency was the gold standard and gold and silver and all of that, which those are precious metals. They have actual value, like they have usefulness. They, they're not just, you know, chunks of metal, like they can be right. purposed into actual things. And, you know, copper, silver, they are, they have value. What's a Bitcoin? You know, what's it do? Yeah. If, if the entire, if the entire infrastructure of everything collapses, and you can't get on the internet anymore. What's your Bitcoin worth? Right, right. Yeah, well, and you know, I'm certainly, I, I'm, I'm not an expert by any means in cryptocurrency. Like I said, I got to the game really late and it's, it's at the point now where it's just, it's so expensive to buy into. I just don't know if it's worth it at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting where that's going. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like staying away from that for the moment. I'm looking for other things to invest in because I'm just trying to hedge my bets in case anything does get too bad with like the, the route that the dollar's going. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't usually get into the Bitcoin conversations cause that's like an area where I'm really, really not well versed in. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's look, the, the dollar cannot sustain itself based on, based on the, the way we're going. So um, something, something's got to give at some point or another. Right. All right, so one of the other topics that we we got off onto a, a full economics discussion there, which is excellent. <laughs> I love I love talking about that kind of stuff. It, I love talking about that kind of stuff because average people don't understand the economic system well enough. Uh, like, I want people to listen to what Johnny has to say about that on on right. fiction because like he understands it and he he really delves into it, and that's why I try to make some. Yeah, John, good. John's John, John's really good with that. Um, that's, that's why I try so to like, pull some. I probably yeah, try to so, pull so some like, longer clips where he really gets into the nuts and bolts of it because like a lot of that stuff is it's more complex than what you can talk about in in a two minute blurb. And and so I want to really get because people need to understand what's actually going on and how it started and how we got to this point. So, yeah, let's do like the difference between John's podcast and like Dave Smith's podcast. You know, they're both excellent. They both talk about similar things, but Dave tends to focus a bit more on like the political and cultural stuff and the media and all the like the corruption that infests those institutions. And he does it brilliantly. John focuses it on a, li a bit more on the economics, um, which is why even though they, they sort of talk about the same thing and they have the same philosophy, they they primarily set their focus on on different aspects of that philosophy. So if you're really looking to get a better handle on this stuff those are like two of the best podcasts to listen to is you really understand just how the political apparatus the media apparatus and how the economy all work together to um to get you into a more enlightened state of how things actually function yeah i definitely agree. that's all i was trying to say yeah yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that that's uh that's the interesting thing about because like they talk about or you know pretty much all of them talk uh, jokingly about you know the last thing the world needs is another libertarian podcast but with all of the different ones you've got out there, they all kind of take on the different topics that are going on in the world right now from different perspectives and different viewpoints. So you, you get a lot of, like you can get a lot of diverse value out of all of the different ones, even though they are approaching things from a, a similar perspective and looking at a lot of the same topics. 
they're covering it in different ways from from different viewpoints and with different guests and like it's there's a lot to be like you can learn a lot about what's going on in the world uh outside of mainstream media and yeah. and get a lot of different you don't want to you don't want to listen to the mainstream media i mean I, seriously you you're you're and, and i i don't even mean this as an analogy i i, I mean it directly you're living in the matrix if you're taking all of your information from mainstream media you are just not in tune with reality these people exist for the sole purpose of propagandizing you that's not hyperbole that's not an exaggeration you your perspective on the mainstream media honest to god really should just be assume they're lying to you everything they say just assume they're lying and you will be right probably 90 percent of the time at least so that's like okay everybody knows what's going on with the uh or at least i assume everybody knows what's going on with the shootings in atlanta um with the the spa and all of that stuff which i talked a little bit about that on the the second half of the episode i did this morning and like if you were to just look at strictly at what's on i mean shit i just like i just click on my general uh startup page on my web browser and there's at least three different articles that talk about racism against Asians and right. and if you have actually like looked at at what happened down there like yes it's it's a horrible tragedy what happened but it wasn't a white supremacist it wasn't uh, it wasn't exactly a hate crime as it would be you know normally defined like it it was a mentally ill dude that um he had some he had some pretty you know legitimately fucked up in the head things going on that drove him to that point but it it wasn't like it wasn't done in the name of white supremacy or because he was some donald trump worshiper or because of the china virus or anything like that like it it was it was all completely separate from any like normal issue it was a dude had serious problems and uh it's it it seems that it was motivated from religious fanaticism like that's that's what i like he he talked about how he was a deeply religious person but he was also a sex addict and he frequent he frequented these establishments for I don't know, erotic massages or sex. I, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but for sexual purposes, he frequented these massage parlors and he basically hated himself. He hated the massage the, the massage parlors. He, he couldn't quite square his religious beliefs with the demons that he was struggling with. And so then he went out and killed these people, which first of all, if you're really struggling with it, if you're, if you're this guy and you're struggling with that to the point where you want to go kill someone, just kill yourself, okay? Like, if you really, really want to end someone's life because of the demons that exist within your head and you can't reconcile the fact that you're a deeply religious person who has these just in, insatiable sexual desires and you want to commit violence on someone, commit violence on yourself. Don't go kill eight innocent people. But the, the thing is, you had all of these, these um, incidents that actually did appear to be Asian uh, hate crimes against Asians going back since last year, I mean, there was a huge surge in them. The problem was the media didn't seem too keen on reporting on them because, and I'm about to get super politically incorrect here, in almost every single circumstances, they were being committed by people who were very clearly not white. And the media has a narrative going on 
about what's responsible for all the problems in this country, what ethnic group needs to be blamed for everything. White supremacy and white racism is the only sort of bigotry that can ever possibly exist along racial lines. So, you know, the, the left is discriminated against Asians um, in their own rights, particularly with like Harvard uh, admissions and what they're doing with like um, putting an end to some of these gifted programs and like in, in school districts because too many Asians are getting in. And so they were very tentative to cover any of that stuff, even though it was, it was a huge issue, even before the Atlanta shooting of Asians being attacked, again, by people who were very explicitly and almost universally not white. So they didn't want to touch that because they, they had two competing narratives going against each other. And whenever the media is faced with something like that, they're just basically going to pretend like it doesn't exist. So this instance offered them the perfect opportunity to finally address it and shove it down their throats. And to be, I hate being remotely fair to them because they're just the worst people in the world. To be kind of fair to them, it was sort of the perfect scenario. You did have a white guy murder six people or eight people, six of whom were Asians. So it, given everything that's been going on, it is very easy to just instantly make that connection. And look, I don't know, maybe the fact that they were Asian did have something to do with it. You certainly can't rule that out. Maybe he was sort of motivated by that to an extent. But if you look at all of the evidence and what he was saying, he was very clear. He's like, no, this was, this was you know, I wanted to kill them because I think they're sinful, you know, and people who are, who are extremists and they kill people based on race, they're usually very explicit about admitting it, right? Like Dylan Roof said he wanted to kill black people. The guy who shot up the synagogue in Pittsburgh was like, I hate the Jews. People who kill people based on race almost always admit it. This guy, he, you know, this guy didn't, and he killed two people who were white, by the way. Like, I guess, I guess they just don't count, right? Because yeah. you got, it, it, we can't just, we just have to completely dismiss their lives because we got a narrative to push. And so, yeah, now the media is having a field day with this because now they get to focus on um, the fact that Asians have been having hate crimes committed against them all across the country. And they get to inject their favorite narrative in, in the world into that discussion, which is, of course, white supremacy and how white racism is literally responsible for every single problem in the country. Right. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's the narrative that they've been driving for for a while and uh, you know that's not gonna that doesn't seem like it's gonna go away at any at any point in the near future no. never mind that you know no. most of the policy that's being driven uh, by the biden administration doesn't really do anything to solve any of those problems in fact did you see the uh the, the white house staffers have been uh asked to leave because or work have either been fired or asked to work remotely because of previous marijuana use yeah, does Kamala Harris count in that? Because she admitted she smoked weed before, or does she get a pass? Uh, see, is, is that is that her uh, is is that her black woman thing? Like you can't, you know, does she get a pass because she's like one of the most virtuous people? She's she's black and she has a vagina. Not only one victim identity card, but two. So I mean, I guess you know, even though she admit, even though she's locked up literally thousands of people for for merely marijuana possession and she admitted to smoking weed herself she's going to get a pass on this new policy that the biden administration is putting forth so she's also asian american so she's being uh oh that's right that's three you're right okay. yeah yeah i saw the headline about that on uh what what our asian american vice president should be doing in the wake of the atlanta shooting uh to help to help solve the world's problems so yeah so well she's first got of all what 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 can she do? What can a vice president do? Like, does anyone even like just stop and think of how ridiculous this sounds? What can a vice president actually do to solve these problems? So I shared something on Facebook about how like Asian Americans are now buying guns 
to defend themselves. It's like, you know what? F- fuck your stupid hashtags. Fuck your stupid appealing to the president and politicians to do something that pretty much none of which is going to work. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like it, people have to take this into their own hands and I encourage them to do it. Go ahead, buy a gun. And if someone comes up and tries to att- learn how to shoot it and put a bullet in their fucking head, that's the way to do it. And the more that starts to happen, the more they're going to push for further gun control, which yeah. What's, yeah. what's the actual, gosh, what's the actual number of gun control laws that are on the books? Like it's, it's some astronomical number. If you count, not just, if you count federal and then state and then local, like all combined, it's like tens of thousands of gun control laws that are in total on the book and like several thousand uh, or at least it's over a thousand, maybe 1200. I can't remember the exact number. It's been a couple of years since I've uh, looked at the, the statistics on that, but it's over a thousand federal gun control laws that are in place. So what does more gun control accomplish that the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of laws that are already in place aren't accomplishing? Like it, yeah. Like maybe instead of pushing for more, you should just enforce what's there or figure out why what's there isn't working and like solve that problem. Or maybe it's all just the fact that um, criminals don't give a fuck about your laws. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, well, like in most of the areas that have like the highest level of gun violence, they're all hyper like progressive cities. Right. So like they have like the strictest gun laws and it just doesn't seem to work. You know, you look at like a, you look at a place like LA, every, which is the most progressive city, not only in the country, like maybe in the entire world, like they're, they're like psychotically progressive and pretty much every single issue that progressives claim to care about the most, LA is suffering from at a higher level than like any other city. Like the, the cities are incredibly segregated by race. It's like the biggest income inequality of any city in the country, or at least one of them. Uh, the homelessness population is out of control. They, they have uh, they have a, a, a essentially like a slave class serving the the super rich. Uh, you know the gun violence is out of control. They're just releasing cascades of pollution into the atmosphere. Like every single issue that progressives claim to care about the most, LA is suffering from worse than almost any other. And they never like take the second to realize. Well, maybe our policies suck. Or maybe our philosophy is wrong. Like it just never occurs to them. They just vote harder and harder for the same policies, right? It's like, like imagine trying to break down a brick wall by using your forehead. Like you're trying to bang your forehead against the brick wall, thinking it's going to come down, and then it doesn't work, and you have like a cracked skull and brain damage. And you're like, oh, well, that didn't work. I guess I should just swing my head even harder. Let me swing my head harder and harder. Maybe that'll bring the wall down. That's basically how progressives in like these incredibly progressively run cities operate. Their city collapses until, until of course, they have to move to a new, new city. And it never occurs to them that maybe the policies that they kept voting for had something to do with the fact that their city collapsed. No, no, no. They don't have that level of self-awareness. So they just go to their new city and they vote for the same policies. And eventually they're going to destroy that city as well. You know, and I was... <laughs> I was joking with a friend the other day, like, yo, you Texans, you got to stop worrying about this immigration that's coming from south of the border. Worry about the Californians, okay? You want to defend your border against invaders? Make sure these fucking Californians can't come into your state anymore because they're going to ruin it faster than any horde of Mexicans ever could. Right. That's uh, the insane thing that we're 
that we're looking at right now. I, I, you know, I saw a tweet the other day that said, "How could uh, how could anybody have looked at the la- the past year and not have become a communist?" Like, uh, I don't know. I actually, saw that. Fucking brain. <laughs> um, how could anybody <laughs> have looked at the events of the last year and not become a full blown fucking anarchist? Is what I want to know. Like, yeah, exactly. Who exactly. is looking at everything that the government has done and thinks, "Wow." They really have this right. Like they know what they're doing. We need to give them more they, power. Like, they have this totally under control. Everything they've done has worked out great. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. And like, like I was saying when I was talking about like, just like the the idea of of in some ways being hopeless. Um, it's it's stuff like that. You know, like I would have, you know, it's one thing to watch the government and politicians do what government and politicians always do, which is just try to consolidate and. Um, monopolize and expand their own power but when you see the amount of people who just they just mindlessly go along with it that's that's been the part for me that has just been the most demoralizing is how many people are just hopelessly lost and uh they're just they're like i said they're living in the matrix that that really has been the most disappointing about the disappointing thing about all of this yeah definitely it's uh, i don't know i'm i didn't have a whole lot of faith in humanity prior to all of this and uh, it this definitely hasn't uh has not been particularly encouraging although something that has been uh at least somewhat encouraging uh, which is not getting any coverage by the corporate press here in the u.s but uh across europe widely there have been locked anti-lockdown protests uh yeah i think how many is it now there's a whole bunch of uh, European nations have either significantly dialed back or entirely stopped uh, using the the AstraZeneca the newest uh, vaccine. vaccine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- yeah, because it was yeah. uh, like it was actually harming people. Like they they right. either ramped it back or entirely stopped giving it out because it was having such adverse effects on people. But then, like yeah. you got this headline that I, I just happened to see scroll across from the New York Times. AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine is found to be 79% effective in a U.S. study. Like, how, what, 79%? That's, so, okay, so AstraZeneca's a C student. That's exactly who I want vaccinating. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, so yeah, let's, uh, we may as well hit vaccines for, uh, for a little while. So, um, I'm not taking the vaccine. Okay, I'm just I'm just not doing it. Okay, and I'll you know for all the people who call me an anti-vaxxer, I will try to give you the most logical reason for not doing it. Okay, and I, listen, in general, I like vaccines. I think vaccines are one of the great achievements of human ingenuity, right? Like certain vaccines, I think have really gone a long way in, in helping eradicate some some really nasty diseases. So I'm not anti-vaccine in general, but I'm not taking this one. Okay, and for a very simple reason, the average vaccine takes seven years to develop. This thing came to market in nine months. Okay, that alone should give any proper thinking person reason to hesitate and question whether or not they want to inject this thing into their body. It's over a virus that has been hyper-politicized. It's over a virus in which the experts we've been forced to listen to have been wrong so many times. They've been wrong about basically everything. Okay, Big Pharma is quite possibly the most untrustworthy institution in the entire country. And, you know, you whatever negative side effects and you just proved it with that new york times article whatever negative side effects may result from some of these vaccines you can't report on the media you can't you can't rely on the media to report on it honestly 
That's just not going to happen. So look, if you want to get vaccinated or anyone wants to get vaccinated, uh, God bless, go ahead. I won't make fun of you. Hopefully, uh, you know, this helps us get out of this insanity sooner than later if enough people are vaccinated. But personally, I'm not going to take it. I'm, I'm not comfortable with how quickly it came to market. Uh, I'm a healthy man in his 30s. My wife is a healthy woman in her early 30s. Uh, my son's two and a half years old. Kids that he's healthy, kids that age are basically invincible to COVID. There's, I'm, I'm not a risk of dying from COVID. I'm not taking this vaccine. I'm just not doing it. Yeah, and so I posted, a, there was a thing that's kind of going around. Uh, it says, fun fact, the COVID mRNA vaccines now account for more side effect reports since December than every other vaccine combined in the last year, and eight times the number of deaths are reported. And when you share that, the, the little pop-up, it doesn't give you a fact checker pop-up. It just gives you a, uh, the pop-up that Facebook and Twitter give you says that, uh, that vaccines are tested and proven to be safe before being approved. Yes, that's not untrue, except this one hasn't actually been approved. It's been permitted to be used in emergency situation right. which which right. they don't distinguish the difference but which which is again something that i've talked about regularly is like words have value and meaning and uh the way you know the way things get twisted they completely pervert the meaning of words nothing about this vaccine has been approved it has been right. permitted to be used for emergency situations it's 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 not a it's not an approved vaccine like it's it hasn't right. gone through well, any of the clinical trials it hasn't done any of that stuff. right right well and they also like didn't they use a, a technology that's never been before been used on humans to like like uh, biotechnologies again I'm not I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert on this but like it's, it's like some sort of bio biotechnology mRNA like like this has never been used in human beings before so in many ways it is really like totally experimental. Yeah, we are the guinea yeah. pigs. Like the people who are being yeah. given this are, they, it is a mass level clinical trial. Like we yeah. don't know what's going to yeah. happen from this. You know, you don't know what the side effects are going to be five years down the road. You know, that's the reason why right. anytime you see a commercial on TV for any medication, the last 45 seconds of the commercial is somebody <laughs> uh, talking at the speed of light to rack off all the possible side effects and everything that could go wrong right. because they, those are what the clinical <laughs> trials have come up with that could potentially right. happen. We don't know what this is going to do. Yeah. Well, and not only that, they're already talking about like, you might need, a, this might need to be like a yearly thing that like the flu shot where you get it every year to really protect yourself. They're already talking about like, you know, a third or fourth or fifth boosters. They don't even know how effective this thing's going to be. You might have to actually keep injecting it into yourself. And not only that, Dr. Fauci's basically telling you you still got to wear two fucking masks even after you get vaccinated. You still got to socially distance. So what's the point? What's the point of doing any of this? Right. Like, so the, this AstraZeneca's uh, found to be 79% effective in a U.S. study. There's others that say that these vaccines are 95% effective. Like, based on what? They've been out for yeah. three months? Like, that's not <laughs> anybody, again, like, you know, I talk about this regularly because statistics is something that I enjoy, but anybody that has even a modicum of understanding of how statistics works knows you can't, you can't take this two-month sample size and extrapolate anything out of it of meaning. Like, 
because right at this point we have no fucking clue like people haven't been vaccinated long enough to know what's going to happen like yeah there have been some pretty bad side effects right away that's what we know about like we have no yeah, well, there, idea there what does, this is going to do long term there, there does seem to be like some pretty strong evidence that like pregnant women should should really stay away from like these vaccines i mean there's been several instances of like women totally healthy women getting vaccinated and having a miscarriage like a few days later um that doesn't necessarily prove a direct correlation but um i've, I've even seen some like rumblings like so i think even the new york times admitted like and and they worded it in such an orwellian manner like um there's no there's no evidence uh or there's like there's no conclusive evidence that pregnant women shouldn't take the vaccine but you know you can interpret that to basically mean anything right like yeah there's there's, there's no uh, conclusive evidence that, you know, I'm going to walk outside and get hit by a car. But, you know, like, it's, wh like, why would you want to take that risk? Because there have been, like, some stories about perfectly healthy women having, having one of them was a nurse. That was, like, probably the most high-profile one. She had a, had a miscarriage a few days later. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the thing is, like, so anyone who's been following, like, the, the, the COVID trajectory as close as you and I have know that these things like they go in waves there's there's peaks and then there's valleys so once people started getting vaccinated in mass we were already at the point where we we're about to hit a valley so you know everyone's going to credit that that credit that to the vaccines and maybe the vaccines have something to do with it. again I don't know I'm not going to make any any bold proclamations about the effectiveness of the vaccine just yet maybe they work and maybe they are having something to do with this decline in cases but it's also the fact that we just came off like a winter surge and now the spring's coming, the weather's getting warm, there's naturally going to be a valley. So it's perfectly reasonable that the vaccines aren't doing anything. And this is just the natural trajectory of what the virus does. It goes up and then it comes down. But, you know, again, we don't have actual journalists in this country, so we're not going to know. They're just going to credit everything to the vaccine. Now, does that mean we get to open up? Or are they going to tell us, well, not enough people are vaccinated and you all need to get vaccinated before we can fully open up, which in certain parts of the country, it would not surprise me if that's what they start to push after a while. I say you're in one of those parts of the country that yeah, would not I sure surprise am. me if that's what they start to push like really, really soon. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm uh, you know, and I think I mentioned this last time I was on the podcast where we're already looking to potentially get out of here where we're looking to move someplace warm, someplace that is not run by, uh, you know, insane leftists. Um you know, my parents are down in Florida. We're, we're considering we're considering moving there. But, you know, and also like Ron, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis basically just banned critical race theory in schools, which is another reason to move down there, because I see the exact opposite happening in all these blue states. They're basically going to make it mandatory from like first grade on uh, critical race theory, gender theory. It's going to be right up there. You know, kids are leaving school. They, they, they're completely useless. Like they can't do basic math. They don't know anything about history. They don't, they know nothing about finance. They know, they know nothing about, like they can't read at the proper level. They're completely useless. They don't have anything that could be qualified as like a useful skill. And what are we doing now? We're going to indoctrinate them with fucking critical race theory and gender theory from the time they're six years old. So they're going to leave school completely useless and have no skills whatsoever. But at least they'll understand that some women have penises and white people are all inherently evil. <laughs> exactly. I, that gets into a whole other topic that I've been yeah. hot on lately is the education system. Like, I, I, I strongly, every day, I more strongly consider just pulling my kids out of school and not messing with it. Because... I can have my kids sit around and listen to podcasts about history and learn more than what they're learning in oh, school. Oh, for we, sure. I can hook them up on Khan Academy and they'll learn more about 
you know, the, the STEM, uh, uh, the STEM categories and subjects than what they're learning in school. Like they can get a better education sitting right here at home, playing on the computer every day than what they're getting from, you know, six hours a day at a, no question at a school. It, it's, and, and it also comes with the added bonus of them not being indoctrinated with absolute communist insanity. You know, so yeah, I'm thinking about that as well. You know, my, my son isn't in school yet and you be damn sure as soon as he's enrolled, I'm going to watch very, very closely to what they teach him. So my, and this is a bit of a humble brag. My son's two and a half. He can read already. And it's, he, it's from you team. He's known all of his letters and all of his numbers since before he was two years old. And it's from watching YouTube videos, okay? He'd watch YouTube videos. He understood all the letters. He understood all the sounds they made. And then I would work with him and I would like, I'd have the word cat and I'd sound everything out and I would teach him how to read. And he knows how to read now. And he learned that from freaking YouTube. You can get a better education at home than you could in any of these public schools. And when you see the way that these teacher unions have been conducting themselves since the beginning of this pandemic, they clearly don't give a shit about these kids. They have proven themselves to be some of the worst people in the country. Um, so, so yeah, like you were saying, I, I am already considering whether or not my son is going to actually spend his entire K through 12 in government schools or any schools whatsoever. Uh, I, I think at this point, it's been pretty clearly demonstrated he might be better off just learning at home. Um, because, you know, look, there, there are five-year-olds who don't know how to read. You know, there are six-year-olds who struggle reading. He's two and a half. He, he can already read. You know, he can read Sam I Am basically cover to cover. And, you know, he, he learned it from YouTube. He learned it from YouTube and with help from my, myself and my wife. So, um, and like you said, I mean, listen to hardcore. You want to know uh, something about history? Listen to hardcore history with Dan Carlin, okay? Listen, you want to learn about economics? Listen to the audiobook of Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. All of these things, you don't need to go to school anymore to get a proper education. You just don't. And it's, that's going to be one of the things going forward that's really curious to see. Like, I can't, I can't imagine, particularly like the university system with how expensive it is. Uh, how people are just leaving hundreds of thousand dollars in debt and they can't get jobs. You see the insanity, every single problem we see in our country right now from BLM riots to, uh, to, to you know, th this gender insanity, it it's all boils down to some incredibly average intellectual, you know, promoting their idiocy to, so they can sound really scholarly in some university somewhere. But pretty much every single problem we see in the country right now is coming from the university system. I cannot imagine that this is going to last. There's got to be some sort of new system on the horizon. And as far as I'm concerned, it can't collapse fast enough. Right. Especially, especially coming from, you know, middle America, more blue collar part of the country where I'm from, like, like, yes, for the coastal, uh, you know, for the coasts and like the big city stuff like that, like they'll continue to kind of run with this, but you're going to start seeing, you know, middle of the country. Uh, a lot of this stuff is going to like, big universities are just going to eventually start getting abandoned in favor of I hope tech so. schools, trade schools, or just like God, I hope so. going to work in a trade and not yeah. messing with that shit at all because it, it serves no value. Like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm actually like, if my son was 16 or 17, um, unless he like knew exactly what, like, unless he wanted to be a doctor where like you have to go to school for a long time, I would probably encourage him, like, like if you don't know what you want to do, like, don't waste your time going to university. Like, enter a trade, become an electrician. You know, be, you'll you'll be making a hundred grand by the time you're thirty years old. You won't have all this money in debt. It's it's a skill that you can take anywhere you want to go. Um, 
so so yeah i i'm i'm glad that my son as isn't at that age right now because it would be i, I feel bad for parents who have kids who are like 70 17 18 years old and they don't really know what they want to do i feel bad for kids who are 25 and they were duped into this education system you know and they got all these worthless degrees that they spent a hundred grand on and now they're working at starbucks and they have no future i genuinely feel bad for these kids and you can say oh they made the decision to do it themselves yeah but they were 18 they didn't know anything and they've been told their whole life that they got to go to university to make something of themselves. They were duped into it. And now they've been screwed over. And you wonder why they vote for someone like Bernie Sanders, who basically tells them you've been screwed over. You know, Bernie Sanders, for as crazy as he is, he is right about that. Like, th like that's the thing about Bernie. Like, you and I know that he's a lunatic based on his economics. But the reason why he has so much appeal is because he is half correct. Like, he has properly identified the corruption that exists in our government and like so many he, he's identified the fact that young people have been completely screwed over by the system he's absolutely correct about that and he's like the only politician who openly speaks about it so if you're this 25 year old kid who's working at starbucks and what bernie sanders is telling you you have learned from experience and you know obviously you went to college and they don't teach you anything about economics in college or in high school so you don't know how any of this stuff works of course you're gonna vote for bernie sanders of course you are right and that's you know, that's kind of the, the sad thing about it. But I mean, it's, it's by design. Like, as long as you keep people stupid and don't actually teach them anything of value, then they'll believe whatever they hear from the people who are supposedly uh, in control and know what's going on. Even if like, for somebody who like us, who actually understands how that stuff works, they clearly have no fucking clue what's going on. But you know, if you haven't been taught otherwise, you haven't learned to decipher that stuff for yourself. You don't know anything about basic economics or basic statistics or how the world actually works. Then, yeah, you're just going to hear that stuff and think this is a guy that knows what he's talking about because you you know he's in a position of power. So obviously, I should listen to that, and he's probably onto something. And yeah, it's, yeah, the whole thing is. Uh, I posted a thing the other day for um. Uh, it was originated from a 1984 interview with a former KGB. Uh, oh, Yuri, Yuri Brez, Brezmanov or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've watched that interview. My God. Every, listen, everyone needs to watch that. That guy was a damn prophet. Everything that he was saying was going to happen has now happened. And it is incredible. You know, basically, like, the gist of it was communists have already infiltrated every single institution in America. And they're they're on the verge of controlling it and they've they've basically just completed what they wanted to what their objective was now you just got to wait a couple generations before it starts to come into fruition and we have now waited a couple generations and boy is it coming into fruition yeah that that interview is uh it, it's it's stunning to watch and it's it's uh like that should be mandatory viewing for absolutely everyone Definitely. And like I had posted an article that kind of did a, a review of that interview and the article was from 2018. So, you know, it was before COVID and everything. It was just talking about the things he was, he was talking about. And when it hit step three and it talks about the, you know, creating a emergency panic situation and that, you know, using that situation would only take like six weeks to completely change the entire landscape of how everything is done in the country. And then you would have this like new normal. And here we are. I mean, fuck, oh. you know, we're a year into 15 days to flatten the curve and it's been established. <laughs> like not only has it been yeah. established, like there are people who are so fucking brainwashed that they will yell at me and you for not wearing a mask when we are perfectly healthy, 
not even within 10 feet of anybody like I know, will I know. run up and break into my personal space and get in my bubble to tell me that I'm putting people at risk. <laughs> like motherfucker, I was nowhere near anybody before you come running up on me. Like keep your distance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was not you know, putting you at risk for anything until you came up on me. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's incredible to watch stuff like that. And you know, um, uh, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, what the hell was I going to say? Something about the masks. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's it's really creepy how they've just convinced people that, like, your fellow human being, a completely healthy, asymptomatic person, is basically to be viewed as nothing more than a walking vector of fatal disease. And and that's how so many people look at their fellow human beings right now. It's it's so disturbing. You know, I, and I posted something about this on Facebook the other day. So I was in the pet store the other day. Um, like a couple weeks ago with my wife and son. And there was a little boy. He was like seven or eight years old. He was with his dad. He had two masks on, okay? And again, like like children, they're not getting sick and dying from this thing, okay? They're literally, kids under 18 are five times more likely to die from the flu than they are COVID-19. Children should not be afraid of this thing. This kid had two masks on and we were in the same uh, area. We were in the fish section. And anytime like any of us walked past him, he like jumped back. And like held his father. You could tell he'd been so brainwashed into just being terrified to get close to another human being. And it was it was both heartbreaking and infuriating to watch. I can't imagine the psychological psychological damage we have done to so many kids throughout this. And again, this is one of those consequences. We're not gonna fully know the ramifications of it until a, you know, 10, 15 years down the line. Okay, like we're already starting to see some of the consequences from these lockdowns and all these policies that we've implemented. We're not gonna see the total um some of this nonsense until, you know, like I said, five, 10, 15 years down the line. And, and it is not going to be pretty. Yeah. There was a little kid in the store the other day that had the, the mask had like fallen down underneath his mouth. And his mom was like, pull your mask up. And I just wanted to lean into the little kid and be like, throw that mask on the floor and tell her, go fuck herself. Like, don't <laughs> yeah, do I know. this. Like, you, yeah. you can take how, that mask how off. Was how old was he? Oh, it how was a little was kid. He probably... Yeah, like five or six. Oh, man. Uh, it's so it's so strange, you know, and just like the idea that, like, you know, we haven't seen people's faces out in public for God knows how long. You know, I mean, I, I wonder, like, and I, I think I touched on this in the last podcast, like, especially for kids, like, I wonder if that's going to have any sort of long term effect. Like, we're evolutionary designed to see other people's faces. OK, we like we just are, um, you know, and, and again, there's just like the aspect of, you know, you think it's healthy to just never breathe fresh air? Like, I, I mean, how many people have just net, like the only time they're not wearing their mask is when they're in their home. As soon as they put, as soon as they walk outside, they put their masks on. Like there's people who in six months to a year have never breathed, uh, have never taken in a breath of fresh air. Like, I, like, I'm sorry, you can't tell me that that's, that that's not normal. That's not something to criticize. And, you know, again, especially if you're just this healthy person who's been vaccinated or you've had, or you've had, the disease already, which now, like, I've, I've started to see studies saying that, like, if you've had COVID, the immunity could last for years, right? Like, they were gaslighting us for the last year, telling us, no, 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 even if you had it, you could still get it again, you could still spread it, and now a year in, all this information's coming out that, oh, no, well, actually, uh, if you have it, you could have immunity for, you know, maybe even the rest of your life, and again, it just goes back to, you know, you tell me I'm supposed to trust the, health, the public health experts, why? They've been fucking wrong about everything, why should I trust them? Right. It, like, there is no actual rhyme or reason to it. There's no, uh, did you drop off? 
there's no um like good explanation for it it's all just they're you know coming up with whatever they want to 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 drive their narrative i don't know it's i don't know how they can keep i don't know how people are continuing to be duped by it and yeah like you said i mean it, it's not normal to never breathe fresh air like yeah. unfiltered you know and and, and and that's what it is it's completely filtered and it's not even filtered <laughs> through something good like because yeah. because the way we wear masks is not right you know i took a picture of mine and posted it the other day like this is my mask it it sits on the passenger seat of my truck and rides around <laughs> with me and whenever i have to yeah. go into work i stuff it in my pocket i clock in and then i put it on i, I don't wear it anywhere else i only wear it at work and like if i've got a headache or if i'm not feeling good it only exacerbates the problem like yeah not being able to breathe fresh air and you know like you said like not seeing uh people's faces uh stefan molyneux was on uh counterflow with buck johnson last week yeah i listened to that i listened and, to that interview and like one of the things he was talking about was i think it's like 80 percent of our you know our interaction and communication with people is non-verbal and like you're missing out on like half of your face is telling what you're what you're saying right, and right we're losing that that portion of communication and we already had a, a communication problem in this country to begin with because of social media and everything else like texting and and all of that stuff like you can't get the nuance and you can't get the actual what's being said and felt and communicated through just the words. Like you have to have the full, you know, the full facial, the way the mouth moves and the way the face, yeah. you know, expresses everything. Like these are huge, important parts of communication. And it's getting, com it's completely lost. I mean, at this point, it's going to be completely lost on a whole generation because they're not going to let us stop wearing masks ever. Uh, that's if if that hasn't become abundantly clear, that uh, they are never going to stop making us wear masks at this point. I, well, well, even even if they do, there's going to be a lot of people who choose to never stop wearing them. Right. Like that's that's one thing I realize. Like they may at some point lift these mask mandates, but there's going to be people who choose to just wear them forever. You know, and and. You know, you just think of something like exchanging a smile with someone. Like when you go to the grocery store, if you're just passing someone on the street, you say hi, you smile at each other. Like the like the the subtle effect that that has on people's mental health is, um, you know, I, it really can't be quantified. And there's like there's this huge mental health crisis going on in the country, and I, you know, it has to do. I mean, obviously, the economic anxiety, the anxiety of the media telling people they're going to die every day. But I just think the the lack of basic human interaction is probably one of the main driving factors of like the skyrocketing suicide rates, the skyrocketing drug overdoses, you know, the people in unprecedented levels are reporting, are reporting themselves to be depressed. You know, just this, the primary fa factor of all this stuff, I would have to imagine, or at least one of the primary factors is, is just the complete lack of basic human interaction. You can't tell me that that's not playing a huge role in all of this. I 100% yeah. agree, which is yeah. also a part of why I like doing these kind of episodes where I get to talk to y'all and uh, you know, kind of sharing some of this stuff. Cause we need to be able to talk to each other. And uh, I think if it's all right with you, we're going to wrap on that. Cause I've yeah, got let's do that. Stuff. Yeah. I got some stuff I got to take care of today. And I, Likewise. I feel like we really, 
Like, we really kind of hit on a lot of stuff. And we also got pretty deep on a lot of this stuff that, like, people are just kind of letting this all become the new normal. It's all becoming yeah. second nature. And we have got to actively fight against that. And, like, you you post excellent stuff on Facebook all the time. Like, I, I love all of your posts. I try to share Thank them you. as much as possible <laughs> without it becoming annoying. But, you know. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who hate my posts, but you know, I, I don't, you know, um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing us head to a very dangerous place and I'm just trying to wake up as many people as I possibly can, or at least get them to think twice about everything that's going on. You know, I know some people are beyond hope. <clears throat> They're just completely propagandized, but I'm hoping like I can maybe change the minds of at least a few people or at least get them to sort of reconsider what they see from the media. That's that's really the primary reason why I post what I post is not to get likes from people who already agree with me, right? Which it's always nice to get likes, but I, I'm hoping there's at least a few people out there who maybe I can change their minds about some of this stuff, which is why I post what I do. Right. That's same for me. If just a yeah. couple people, maybe not even come over to, you know, being full-blown ANCAP libertarians, but just start to look at things and say, shit, maybe I need to think a little harder about this before just uh, running with whatever the narrative is that's being driven. You know, that's a win. Yeah. Like People just, yeah. you know, waking up a little bit at a time is is how we, how we ultimately uh, make changes that are actually positive and, and effective. Yeah, likewise. I agree. Well, thanks for coming on. This was fun, as always, and we'll probably have to do it again at some point because, like I said, I don't think any of this is going away anytime <laughs> soon. So here in, here yeah. in two or three months, we'll be talking about the the next round of insane bullshit that they're trying to force down our throats. Yep, I'm sure we'll do this again. There's always going to be plenty to talk about. Thanks for coming on, man. You got it, man. Good to talk.